Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. Are going to start by moving while we read the Shema together. And so um, if you want to sway back and forth, if you want to just move your hands, we're going to add some movement as we recite this. Okay, everybody ready? Here we go. Let's read together the Shema, Deuteronomy 4, starting in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That was good. We're ready for the Grammys tonight. Look at us. We're moving. And what happened was these communities, they would pray the Shema, and it was part of one of the 613 commands that the Jewish people had to follow. This was an incredible weight to follow these commands. And so Jesus, he comes and he was asked, hey, what is the greatest command of all? And Jesus, he reduces this weight from 613 commands down to two. And this is why we are still living off this prayer is because in the book of Mark, Jesus comes back and he says, of these two commands, the first one is actually this prayer. He comes back and he says, not only the first one is this prayer, he recites the Shema, but we are supposed to be living off a prayer to be living out a prayer. These are the two commands. This is what he says. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. Isn't it fascinating that the greatest command was actually a prayer? The greatest command was this relationship with Jesus, this prayer, to be living on a prayer, to be living out a prayer. Now, there were 613 commands. Jesus boils them down to two. And a command is something that is not optional. A command is not something that is just suggested. Like, think of that Google Doc form that has the asterisk by the required. You know those questions you really don't want to answer, but it's like the form just doesn't complete and move on unless you actually fill it out? And so what Jesus is saying is this, is that everything you can love me with will require something of you. Everything you can love the Lord with will require something of you. Now, this week, we are specifically going to be focused on how do you love the Lord with your strength? How do you love the Lord with your body? How do you show up in your facial expressions and in your body posture and in your actions? And this is the question that I have been wrestling with this week is what is required of our bodies? What is required of our bodies? Now, my education and my training is actually as a licensed clinical professional therapist. And so I, I went to seminary to study this intersection of psychology and theology and this whole integration of heart, mind, body, soul. And all of that is really good in theory until you actually have to practice, right? And usually when you have to practice on yourself. 
When I was a therapist, I was a very happy therapist. I, I really loved the work. I loved meeting with my clients and, and really in the thick of their stories. And what would happen, this was before you could kind of do remote work as a therapist, is that you would work all day, you would come home late at night, and I was really struggling to show up in my body. I would come inside after a long day. We had two of our little girls at the time, and I would just walk in the house physically exhausted and emotionally exhausted, and I would just take steps towards the kitchen cabinets. And I would open up the cabinets and I would just look for carbs and sugar and carbs and sugar. And I remember thinking to myself, there is a lot more for me to learn about how do I show up in my body? What did this actually look like? We've been learning that the, the soul is this fullest expression of who we are. And that when we are integrated people, we show up in our fullness. And what we learn is that sin and shame continues to disintegrate us. It continues to keep separating us. And I remember this moment in my kitchen, and I remember thinking, like, there's more to moving towards wholeness. Like, do I need to get a treadmill in the therapy office? Like, what does this total integration look like? And so when we ask the question today, what is required of our bodies, let alone when we ask this in church, what tends to happen is instead of having a strong foundation of strength, we tend instead to be flooded with sin and shame. And this is what I have discovered as a therapist, as a pastor, as a human being who showed up in her body today, is that none of us enter this space without some type of sin and shame said to our bodies, done with our bodies, or done for our bodies. But lest we not forget that when we open up the scriptures, that we encounter Jesus in the Gospels, that the word gospel actually means good news, that what is required of our bodies will actually be good news and it will not be an infomercial this morning. <laughs> is that everything we can love the Lord with will require something of us and everything in which we can love the Lord with is ripe for restoration and healing. Amen. Let's pray, and we'll dive in of what's required of us. God, thank you so much for this space. Thank you that you have allowed us to show up today. God, I pray in all of your gentleness and in all of your wildness that you would just do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine in the next few moments. God, I just pray that you would bring truth to this topic, that you would bring light to this topic, that you would bring good news and healing to this topic of what is required for our bodies. God, you love us, you are for us, and you are in this moment, God. I pray that you would do more than we could ever imagine. In your name we pray, amen. So what is required of our bodies? Now, if we break down this word, how do you love the Lord with your strength? The word strength is actually me'od, me'od. We have talked about this before. The word strength actually does not mean like you can bench press a whole lot at the gym. 
And so if that is you, congratulations. If that is not you, it's still all good. This word meo actually doesn't lend itself towards physical strength. We've talked about this before. The word meod actually means muchness. It means total capacity. Out of all the words in the Shema, this word is actually the most expansive. This is the most creative. This is the most infinite word, which means there are infinite ways to love God and to love others. This word is big and it is wide and it is vast. There were a lot of words that could have been used just for physical strength, but here this word is, means muchness and total capacity. And so if you have always been told that you are too much, this message is for you. Haters are going to hate. We've got to keep showing up in our muchness. And so if what is required of us, if there is a command for this, if we are living on a prayer and living out a prayer in our total capacity and muchness, shouldn't this be easy? Like, shouldn't this be easy? When our kids were little and we were holding these brand new little bodies and you don't really know what to do with them and how to build their strength and how to take care of a body and capacity, you start looking for books to help you. And so I remember finding this book that talked about the easy method of how to take care of a body. And when you're a new mom and you're tired and you see a book that says easy method, you're like, this is, this is for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the easy method. And what the easy method stood for and how you took care of a body was E was for eat, A was for activity, S was for sleep, and Y was for you. That as a parent, you, it was like your uniqueness, your you time. You got to do whatever you wanted for that. And so our little baby would wake up crying, and I remember being tired and overwhelmed, but thinking, oh, this is easy. No. Said no parent ever, but you're like, easy method, easy method, easy method. Okay, here we go, here we go. So you're, you're holding this new little baby, and you're like, okay, we got to feed the baby. Okay, we got to do tummy time. We got to do some, some activity. Okay, sleep. What is going to be the rhythm of sleep? And then, ah, like I get, to, I get to do whatever with those five seconds before the baby wakes up. And so over and over and over again, this is how we built a body. This is how we built the strength of capacity that, that our bodies were meant to grow and live out in this muchness. And I don't need to tell you that as day by day goes on, it doesn't become easy. That somehow this method of building strength and capacity is way more full of resistance than ease. And I think part of that is that how we have built our capacity to love. How have we built our strength and our capacity like we just sang about, that we will build our life upon his love. And so for the next few minutes, I just want to walk us through a strong biblical foundation for our body's capacity and strength. We are going to build a strong foundation of our body's capacity and strength. And we will learn that you were made, your body was made in love, to be loved, to show love. So there's going to be a few more hand motions because, again, we got we to gotta move in a message like this. And so I, I want you to hold your arms out like you're holding a baby. If you have never held a baby, a football maybe, or a loaf of bread, football loaf of bread, human, I mean, it's kind of all the same thing here. 
And so uh, we're going we're gonna to start with the first story of when you were created. Not that story. We're going to start a little bit after, little bit after that story. So you are born. You are this brand new, fresh baby. You are pure and innocent and amazing, and you smell good. The good baby smell. Just envision it. And how were you first introduced to the world? The doctors introduced us by our height and our weight. All of us born in different countries and different family situations and circumstances, we were introduced to the world by our height and our weight. I mean, could you imagine if Bria was like, up to teach today is Jackie Glass, and um, on her tippy toes, she's 5'6", and, and she weighs, her smile weighs a ton, you know? Like, like unless you're a professional athlete, like, we don't continue to introduce ourselves by our height and our weight. But, but why do doctors do this? Why do birth announcements say this? Why are parents so proud? Because from the beginning, you are announcing your body's strength, your body's capacity to love. And you were created. God says that he created man and woman, and he looked at it, and he didn't just say it was good. He said it was me'od, good. It was very good. That in all of your muchness and capacity, he made man and woman. Scripture says the foundation in which you were built was love. That he knit you together in your mother's womb. He took a lot of time on you. And in the darkest places, he made your body in love. And he made you on purpose for a purpose that every single one of your days, today included, was written in his book. He knew it was to come. He knows what tomorrow is to be. That you were created in love. That you were created for a purpose on purpose. This is our biblical foundation of our body's strength, is that you were made in love. And what begins to happen is that we grow up, and we look at the reflection in the mirror, and day by day, it changes. The bumps and the bruises on our bodies from learning how to crawl and walk and, and hitting the corner of the coffee table, those bumps and bruises and scars begin to happen more in the story of our life and more in the story of our bodies. But we were made in love to be loved. And our biblical foundation for our bodies is this, is that as we believe in Jesus and believe in Jesus as our Savior, as our rescue, that his body was broken and beaten and abused and spit upon so that our body would be healed. That in those moments that outwardly we are wasting away, Scripture says inwardly we are being renewed day by day. 
And so the biblical definition, the biblical foundation of your body is that you were made to be loved. And that becomes when we take on Jesus' death in our body, that those bruises and those scars that we never thought we would get through, that we didn't know how we would see February of 2024, that we are still here and we are still showing up in our bodies. Scripture says it this way, we always carry around the death of Christ in us so that the life of Christ must be revealed. We always carry around the death of Christ in us so that the life of Christ will be revealed. Friends, we were made in love to be loved. And it gets even better than that because when we take on Jesus' death in our body, Scripture says our bodies are then the temple of the Holy Spirit. That he left Jesus left the earth. He came down in human form, fully human, and experienced every trial and temptation and tiredness like us. But he did not leave us. He gave us the Holy Spirit to comfort and to guide and to energize us in our bodies every single day. That individually we are the temple of that energy of the Holy Spirit. And collectively as a church, we are one body. This force of energy for him in this world. And heaven will get a new body, scripture says. I hope I'm taller. It'd be awesome. But friends, this is the biblical foundation of our body. We don't need to complicate it. We just need to show up in it. You were made in love to be loved. Now, for just a minute, I want you to, we're going to keep moving here. I want you to just put your hand on your heart. Just a minute. Put your hand on your heart. Because I really think that the rest of this teach is just going to fall flat if we, don't, if we don't take this minute here. One of the greatest ways in which this tends to happen, that we lose our realization that we were made to be loved, is the level at which we tend to shame our own body. Statistics show that 64% of men and women, so little boys and little girls, by the age of 14 have already heard their first statement, if not many, shameful things about their body. The majority of that happens between the ages of 10 and 14, and so this is not new for us. This is common to every single one of us in the room. But I think with these commands, sometimes we actually have to start backwards, where it says, love your neighbor as yourself. But some of us, it's really hard to love ourselves. It's really hard to love our bodies. And this is not just some like, hey, we need to love ourselves more. This is like biblical accuracy of we are able to love our neighbors when we start breaking some chains of sin and shame with our bodies. I want you to think about when your body has been the weakest, I want you to think about when your body has been the strongest. I want you to think about the capacity your body has. I want you to think about the incapacities that your body has. But it has been with you every single day of your life. Your body has walked with you 
your body has showed up for you today in this season, in the tiredness, in the worry, in the anxiety. Your body has been with you. It is a gift for you, and you were meant to be loved. Jesus was the best at showing us how to be a good neighbor. I think second to him was the one and only Mr. Rogers. I mean, is anybody better who, like, really showed us how to be a good neighbor besides Jesus? I love this quote. He says this. He says, the toughest thing is to love somebody who has done something mean to you, especially when that somebody is yourself. Look inside yourself and find that part of you. Take good care of it because it's how you love your neighbor. And so when you feel that sin and shame creeping into your body, just little hands to remind you of your biblical foundation that you were meant to be love. And then it is from this posture in which we show up in the world and we show love. We were made in love to be loved, to show love. And so I just want us real practically to then say, how do we show up in our strength? How do we show up in our total capacity in our body? So two applications, two handles for how we walk this out in our life. Uh, the first one will actually hinder our capacity. It will limit our capacity. The second one will be helpful for our capacity and will help be limitless for our capacity. So here we go, two applications. First one is this, is that our capacity to love will be limited to our congruency. Our capacity to love will be limited to our congruency. Congruency is this term that what is happening inside of us is equal to what is happening on the outside. Remember, this is the way in which we love God and we love others that is outward, that people see. This is how we show up. And so congruency means what is happening inside of me is actually the same mirror of what's happening outside. If you're a mathematician or an engineer, this just means like same angles. It means it is similar. Have you ever noticed a time when somebody shows up in their bodies and their facial expression is one way, but their words are very different? I often think in our culture, this is best seen at surprise parties. Uh, John and I had been married for about a year, and um, he threw me my first and only surprise party I've ever had. If that tells you a little bit about me and how much I love surprise parties. We had purchased this little condo, and I think we had been living in it like three months. And if anybody has planned you a surprise party, that's a lot of love, right? They're like hiding invitations, and they're like, hey, we need to be here at this time, but it's really not true. And, you know, there's a lot of love behind surprise parties. And I was, um, I was graduating from seminary, and he threw me this surprise party. And I remember the, the door opens up to our condo, and our friends and family are there, and they su say, surprise. And all I could think about was if I had scrubbed the toilets since we moved in. I was like, it's been three weeks. I don't think I have scrubbed the toilet. 
And there was like no amount of image management in the world that could hide what was actually going on inside of me. And the truth about how we show up in our bodies is this, is that our capacity to love is limited to our congruency. And one of the main ways we're not congruent is by hiding. About not moving towards people, not showing up, not believing that in whatever situation we find ourselves, that we are a place from love in order to give love. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the first thing they did was they hid. They hid from God. And God said, why are you hiding? And they said, we sinned. We're ashamed. We're hiding. My son, when he was little, he loved to play hide and seek. And he would hide behind this plant, except the plant was this tall. We often don't do well with hiding. We think we are hiding. But God has never been a God that wants us to hide. He never hid. He was on the other end of seeking. God is not hiding. God is seeking. God is always moving towards us and moving with us. And that is what he asks us to do. That instead of pushing down the pain, instead of pulling the covers over us, Instead of procrastinating good things we could be doing for people in our life, he instead asks us to live on a prayer, to show up in our muchness, to show up in our total capacity. Two questions to just help this make this practical for your story where you are today. When it comes to your capacity that is limited to your congruency, Where are you hiding? Is there any place in your life that you are hiding? Second question is this, what is one step to move towards congruency? What is one step out of the fullness of who you are that you could expand your capacity to love God, to love your neighbor in infinite ways? by moving towards this congruent posture of what's happening inside of you is happening on the outside of you. And that is how we go in love. Our second application is this, and this is our limitless one, is our capacity to love is limitless to our contending. Our capacity to love is limitless to our contending. Now, the biblical definition of contending, because all of a sudden I see like a, a boxing match in my head, right, when I think of contending. Contending is this. Contending is to continue to show up in the face of resistance and in the face of opposition. And sometimes when we think that life should be easy and, and showing up in our bodies should be easy, We tend to think that we're doing something wrong if we encounter opposition, if we encounter resistance. But any strength trainer will tell you this, is that strength is built on resistance and repetition, and resistance and repetition. And this means that there is endless capacity, that there is this muchness but it requires us to keep contending and to keep showing up. Now, if you're like me and you have come in here a little bit tired, a little bit weary, the sun is shining, but you're still like, 
all right, this all sounds good, but how in the world am I supposed to keep showing up? Like, what actually is the thread line between much capacity, limitless, and the energy to keep showing up and contending? And here's the thread line is this. When we talk about energy, there are two parts to this. There, there are closed systems of energy when it comes to our bodies. And guess what? It goes back to that good old easy method. When you think about managing your energy, it goes back to E-A-S-Y. And these are the closed system of energy at which our physical bodies function. E is for eat, what type of food and energy we're putting in our bodies. A is for activity, what movement do we have in our life. S is for sleep, what are the rhythms of rest and regeneration because also everything we can love the Lord with will also require rest from us. And then the why is, is the uniqueness, is the muchness of specifically who you are, those neighbors, those coworkers that you think about, the people at school in which you are friends with. This is the infinite way that we all get to show up in our muchness just as we are. And so when it comes to energy, there is this very real part of our physical bodies. Is there a step that you could take today to make it easy? Is there one of those areas that come out to you to say, I could take a step towards that to increase my capacity? I had to take steps when, when I found myself at the kitchen cabinets. And I, I found myself hiding and numbing in those ways. And, and I had to learn a lot about food. I had to learn a lot about movement. I had to learn a lot about sleep. And I had to learn how did that actually work for my season of life. Is there one step that you have been thinking about, that you have been wondering about? The, the top two New Year's resolutions are always fitness and finances. The two areas of our life that we cannot hide under the covers from, that we have to make decisions and choices about. How could you show up and make it easy? But here's the message that the world often doesn't tell us, is that when it comes to showing up in our bodies and the total capacity at which we show up and how do we do this and keep contending, it is not just this closed system of energy which is our body. We have access to supernatural energy and strength from the Spirit. And that over and over again, we don't just contend with our own energy. We actually contend with the energy of Christ. Colossians says it this way. He says it this. He says, I, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So if you're tired, you ask for much more. If you're exhausted, you ask for much more. 
If you want opportunities to learn how to help your neighbor, your classmate, your friends, your family, what do I do? You asked God for much more. And as a believer in Jesus, or if today you're like, I need that energy, this is the biblical foundation of how we build our physical strength off of Christ's love. I want to end with a visual, and then Bria's going to come up and lead us to the communion table. You guys have been wondering, when is she going to get on the step? When is she going to do it? Okay, this is so funny. So this whole week, I was like, okay, we need a visual. Like, how do we walk out of here? What does this visual look like of, like, loving God with our strength and showing up in our body? And I was like, how do I get a treadmill up here? How do I move our, like, 2,000-pound bike up here? What does this look like? But you know what it looks like? It looks like a simple step. It's not complicated. It's easy. What is required of us? Muchness, total capacity, contending and showing up, like tomorrow, showing up, building our lives on a firm foundation of Jesus's love that our bodies were made in love, to be love to show love. Jesus, he was in the garden of Gethsemane. This will lead us to the communion table. There's been this data done of how many steps Jesus took. They calculated how much Jesus walked in his three years of public ministry. Because if you follow the Gospels, Jesus and his disciples are always on the move. They are never hiding. They want to hide, but Jesus is never hiding. He is always seeking and taking steps. So do you know how many steps it's been calculated that Jesus took? Over 3,100 steps. Sorry, 3,100 miles in three years. 40 marathons a year. Two million steps. Six thousand steps a day before his Apple Watch could track it. Jesus was always taking steps. Jesus was a God, fully man, having faced trials and temptations and tiredness and emotional exhaustion in his physical body. but moved towards us to remind us of his love for us. One of the last steps he took was in a different garden, the garden of Gethsemane. It was right before he went to the cross. And here he was living on a prayer, physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted, And he prayed to the Father and he said, do I have to keep contending? Do I have to keep showing up? He knew the energy required of what was ahead at the cross. And scripture says, out of love, he did not pass the cup, which we are about to take. Instead, 
In Luke, it says an angel came down and strengthened him. And it was from that strength in which he stepped towards the cross so that our broken and bruised and abused and beaten bodies could be replaced with life and love and purpose and peace. Let's pray and then we all come up and lead us to the table. Jesus, thank you for the steps that you took. Thank you for showing us what it looks like to live on a prayer and live out a prayer. Would you help us to show up in our bodies that what you require of us, you do not ask us to do it on our own. And so as we are reminded of your death and resurrection as we head towards communion, God, I pray a fresh wave of your spirit that you would heal and deliver and draw us into your love. And it is your name we pray.